There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Time's a funny thing, isn't it? Some people say they never have enough time. Others talk about time being precious. People talk about spending time. People talk about keeping time. Especially when the, uh, the minister's about to preach a sermon. People talk about time dragging. No relation between that and, and the previous one, obviously. People talk about having a great time. People talk about wasting time. Well, in that passage that we read from the book of Ecclesiastes, the author, who people think was probably King Solomon, uh, gives us this wonderful poem about time. In which he says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. And he gives us this wonderful poem about time. In seven verses, he makes 28 statements, 14 negative statements and 14 positive ones. The pairs contrast each other. And this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time exploring what Solomon has to say about time. He begins by, of course, saying there is a time to be born and a time to die. A beginning and an end. The first pair contrasts 
set the parameters of the events that will follow. A time to be born and a time to die. Of course, some people like to think that that God knows when our time will be, that, it, that he's ordained the days that we will live. But I think one of the things that we remember today is that some people are taken before their time. And throughout this poem, Solomon isn't saying that this is, these are necessarily things that we should do or these are good things. This, he's saying that this is what life is like. This is a poetry, this is a poem about life. And you will all experience these different times in your lives. And the longer you live, the more likely you are to experience all of these things that happen under heaven. God is in control. God does have time in his hands. So there is a a time to be born which we celebrate and a time to die that most of us don't really want to think about. Although as the years pass by, we are aware of that clock ticking louder and louder. And there's a sense in which this poem has that beat of a clock to it. As Solomon expresses a time to be born and a time to die. This is a picture of the uh, memorial at the back of the church for those people that, uh, some of the people that lost their lives in the First World War. And as you look at that list of names, one of the things that stands out, uh, we're grateful to Marilyn who's done some research into these names, uh, is just the age of some of these young lads, and they were just lads. They were just young lads. Herbert Bateman. 19 years old. Accounts vary as to how long he'd been in France before his death. Some say maybe as little as 20 days, probably not more than five weeks. I guess when he left this village, he never imagined that he wouldn't be coming back. Wilford Fieber, just 20 years old, died of wounds at a Canadian clearing station and was buried in Belgium, enlisted in 1916. He received many prizes at the Sunday School of Acre Mill Baptist Church. The parents were told of his death in a letter from the chaplain. John Parkinson, just 18 years old. Harold Howarth, 19 years old. And we could go on. Young men, hardly men, who went off to war and never came back. Thomas Brighty, 20 years of age. Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And these young lads and many more like them, 
That's what they did. They laid down their lives. So yes, there's the time to be born and the time to die. And then Solomon goes on to say, a time to plant and a time to uproot. And he's saying that as in human life there's a time to be born and a time to die, so it is in nature. We see this same pattern that there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. He says that there's a time to kill and a time to heal. And again, I, I stress that, that I don't think that the writer is saying that there is a time when we should kill. But he's saying that there is a time when people kill and a time to heal. One of my favourite authors, uh, John Grisham, I've never really made the connection. His first book is called A Time to Kill. Words taken from this very passage. And uh, if you're familiar with the story, it was made into a film. Um, a father tries to justify uh, killing the people that attacked his young daughter. And a lawyer defends him and, and eventually gets him off, justifying the act of killing. I don't want to justify the act of killing this morning, but just to recognise that there is a time when people kill. And after that, there is a need for healing. There is a time for healing. And then he goes on, he says there's a time to tear down and a time to build. And maybe you're in a time like that at the moment where things are being taken down or removed or you're in a time of building. And sometimes, of course, you can't build new things until you've torn down the old things to replace them. Goes on to say there's a time to weep and a time to laugh. And again, we just recognize that there are times when we weep. We experience sad and emotional times. And there's also times to laugh. In the good times, we can express our joy. And we see the contrast that the, the, the poet brings together. These, these different times that we all share. And it may be that you're in a time of laughing at the moment, but it also may be that you're in a time of weeping. And we just recognize that this is what life holds. And it goes on, a time to mourn and a time to dance. It's appropriate, of course, to mourn. And it's something that in this country we're probably not very good at doing. Um, we talk about, you know, rushing time. And, and very often when, when people are in that stage of mourning, we try and rush them through it because maybe we feel a little bit uncomfortable about the whole area of death. But there is an appropriate time to mourn. And uh, it's important for our own health and well-being that we allow people time to mourn. And we don't just mourn the passing of people's lives. We, we mourn all sorts of things. We mourn the end of things, the end of a, of a job, the end of a, of, of, of a, of a project. We mourn the end of the, the, the moving away of friends or family or children or, or parents. We, we mourn all sorts of things. 
And again, this is what life, this is everything under heaven that happens. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And of course, we would rather dance than mourn. And then he goes on to say, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. And some people think this is a, a reference to war, where people throw stones and people gather them. And then there's a time to embrace and a time to refrain. And there's a physical embracing, isn't there? When we, uh, we, uh, we actually embrace people. But there's also things that we embrace or refrain from. We embrace some things and we refrain from others. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. And a time to search and a time to give up. And maybe you're in a time of searching this morning. Maybe you're searching to make some sort of sense. This whole book, uh, Ecclesiastes, some people don't like it. Some people didn't think it should have been included in the canon of Scripture because uh, it begins with by saying, you know, everything is meaningless. Uh, but what the writer is doing is he's searching for meaning. And most of us, and especially when we are faced with, with death or tragedy, we try to find some sort of meaning in life. There's something about human beings that God has made us that we do search for meaning. We look. And of course there is a time to give up. There's a time to recognize when things have come to an end. And sometimes we're not very good at letting go. And we hang on to things. And sometimes we hang on to things that can harm us. And so there is a time to search and there is a time to give up. And then there's a time to keep and a time to throw away. If you went into my office, you'd probably think I'm, I'm better at keeping than, than throwing away. And uh, maybe you are the sort of person that hoards stuff and, and doesn't like to let things go. And the Bible reminds us that there's an appropriate time to keep. But there's also a time to throw away and that could mean physical things. But again, it could mean other things. You know, we hang on to precious memories, and rightly so, but sometimes we hang on to not very nice memories that actually harm and continue to hurt us. And so there is a time to keep and a time to throw away. And I guess in all these things, it's recognizing what time it is and recognizing where we are. And then the poet goes on to say, a time to be silent and a time to speak. And of course, Remembrance Sunday is very much about that time for silence. We break and we have those two minutes silence. I don't know if you've noticed now that, uh, that a lot of places now, when they they're replacing this kind of silence with applause. Have you noticed that when, when maybe at a football match somebody's, somebody's died? Howard Kendall, the, the Everton manager, died a, a few weeks ago. And, and rather than having silence, they have a, a time of applause. And there's, there's, we can understand that, yes, you, you can applaud somebody's life, but there's something, I think, more reverent about silence. There's something about silence that kind of makes us really stop and examine. 
Of course, there's, there's awkward or hostile silences, aren't there? I'm not speaking to you. I've fallen out with you. I'm not going to talk to you. And of course, very often, uh, war breaks out when people have stopped speaking. When the talking has broken down. And when people decide that the only way to sort it out is to fight. There's an uncomfortable silence where we would rather somebody spoke. How long is he going to go on with his silence for? But Remembrance Sunday is the silence of remembering with respect those who have fallen in war. And of course there are times when we it's better to be silent than to speak. I'm sure many of you have, have regretted some of the words that you've spoken when it would have been better to remain silent. And of course in the Jewish tradition, uh, when faced with death, the tradition was that people would come and sit with you and say nothing. We read about it in the story of Job, when Job's friends come, and for seven days, nobody speaks a word. Imagine that. As they empathize and sympathize with their friend who is suffering. So there is a time to be silent, but there's also a time to speak. An appropriate time to speak and to say. And as we search for meaning... Solomon wants us to find meaning in life and he speaks later in the passage and we'll come on to that about the fact that life does have meaning when we find God. And so a time to be silent, a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate. And again, we just recognise that this is how it is. There are times that we think that was great, that we love we love that time, but there's also times that we hate. And of course, there's a time when we love people, and maybe also a time when we hate people. This is what life contains. And then there's a time for war and a time for peace. And again, I would say, I don't think that the writer is suggesting that there is a time when we ought to go to war. He's just recognising that there will be times of war and there will be times of peace. And I guess I'm fortunate, although I've lived through wars, I've got to be honest, they're not wars that have affected me. They're wars that I've watched on television. They're wars that happened somewhere else. Some of you have experienced wars a little bit closer to home. You've lived through the Second World War. You've experienced the rushing to the shelters. For people of my age and younger, we just cannot imagine what that's like. We're used to watching war films, and so when we see pictures of bombs going off in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria, the danger is, is we don't realise the, the awfulness and the tragedy and the horrendous thing that's going on. And so we pray for peace. And we pray for those who are working for peace because 
Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. And we want to be a people of peace and not war. And then Solomon goes on to say that God, he has made everything beautiful in his time. And we might look at that list and we might say, well, there's, there might be something beautiful in birth, but I'm not sure there's anything beautiful in death. There might be something beautiful in healing, but not about killing. There might be something beautiful about peace, but not about war. And what Solomon is trying to say is that actually God can bring beauty in any situation. That God is able to do that. In its time, God can make anything beautiful. And he has set eternity in the hearts of man, but they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And this again is about the search for meaning to life. That all of us at some stage ask those questions. We ask the same questions that, that Solomon asks in this book when he says that much of life appears to be meaningless. We search for meaning. And we read that actually God has placed that need within us in, when creating us, that he's actually placed eternity in man's heart. And we see this most clearly in that everything that God does will last forever. That what God does doesn't fade or disappear. What he does is eternal because he deals with eternal. We concentrate on the here and now. We constantly look in our watches and thinking about how we're going to spend our time. And God has a different perspective on time because he has that eternal perspective. And we see it mostly in his son, Jesus Christ. Paul writes, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. This was God's eternal plan from the beginning of time to the end of time. It wasn't an afterthought. God decided that he would send his son. And Jesus said as he began his ministry, the time has come. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the time that you have been waiting for. It's now here. Because Jesus appeared. And to his disciples, as he was about to share his last supper with them, he said, my appointed time is near. And of course, he's speaking about his death on the cross, which is what he came to do. And as Paul writes in Romans 5, at just the right time, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly at just the right time because it was God's time and we see something beautiful in Jesus' death although at the same time it was horrendous and painful and awful but it was in what it was achieving for humankind and Paul again writes in 2 Corinthians 
In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. You will never get this moment back. This time that we have spent together, we've gathered together, young and old, and we've spent time together remembering. But Paul says... It could be a time of salvation. It could be a time when we realise that life isn't meaningless, that there is a purpose and a point. And we find that in Jesus. And for you today, it could be a day of salvation. It could be a day of salvation. It could be the day when Jesus comes into your life for the first time, for the second time. Don't miss the opportunity to experience God's favour and grace in your life. He has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. Don't be in that group of people who can't fathom out what God is doing. Because it says at the end that... I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. This is the time. Today is the day of salvation.